Hong Kong anti-government protesters paralysed parts of the Asian financial hub for a fourth day, with some transport links, schools and many businesses closing, as police warned of a rise in violence to a deadly level. Protesters have torched vehicles and buildings, hurled petrol bombs at police stations and trains, dropped debris from bridges onto traffic below, and vandalised shopping malls and campuses, raising questions about how and when more than five months of unrest can be brought to an end. Uh, Nicholas Scroffman, who is a lawyer who has practised law in Beijing and Shanghai, uh, is also a writer for the South China Morning Post. I spoke to him earlier. The escalating violence in Hong Kong, what will this mean for residents and what will it mean for visitors to Hong Kong? I'm supposed to be flying through there at Christmas and I am wondering <laughs> if that's the best course of action. Good luck. Well, I think um, the airport ought to be okay because um, that's been off limits now for a couple of months, the protesters, and that's very well defended. But um, for people who are living in Hong Kong, they are experiencing disruption. And the message you get varies depending on the political stripe of the person you talk to. So there are people who seem to be very motivated to say, well, you know, we can get to work. It's a bit more difficult. But Monday to Friday, we're usually okay. But others say, you know, the disruption affects them much more. So it does depend on who you talk to. My own view is that it is clearly being very disruptive, and especially in the last few weeks, and it's getting worse. At what point do the Chinese authorities, not known for their tolerance, snap? Very difficult to say. I mean, the Financial Times predicted that they would go in armed. They referred to the People's Liberation Army more likely to be the people's armed police that, that, that go in if anyone does. But they have held off, um, despite predictions from normally quite level-headed journalists. So it's, it's very unpredictable. They seem to be letting it um, blow off steam, and perhaps they are hoping that the movement will just die out by itself. Well, especially given that the um, extradition laws have been changed, which was the catalyst, wasn't it, for the for the protests? It was the catalyst, but it wasn't the, the root cause. Mm. The root cause was the failure in 2014 to address the concerns of ordinary Hong Kong people uh, about uh, the, the lack of democracy. That there's a strong feeling that democracy was promised for the, uh, the election of LegCo, and it hasn't been delivered. So the uh, extradition thing, which was very important, was really just a symptom, and it was viewed as, and it is still viewed as just one of many ways in which uh, mainland China is trying to oppress Hong Kong. And yet, Hong Kong is such an important economic hub, um, a global economic hub, that you can, I suppose, you can understand China trying to go softly, softly, because it really can't afford to have Hong Kong collapse into chaos, can it? Yes, Kerry, but it's de- decreasing in economic importance relative to other Chinese economic centres. So, uh, yes, in 1997, Hong Kong accounted for a good 40% of greater China's GDP. But that's now reduced to uh, less than 15%, I think, while while centres like Shanghai and Beijing have massively increased, as has Shenzhen. So these are all places in the mainland. And it's continuing to to decrease um, relatively. That doesn't mean that Hong Kong's GDP is shrinking. It just means the rest of China is becoming more important. So in terms of trying to broker some kind of resolution, are negotiations ongoing or are are they just hoping it'll blow itself out? Well, negotiations are are almost non-existent and I think that's 
a real shame um, on both sides that there isn't engagement. So I think the Hong Kong protesters have pretty much given up on mainland Chinese people. So people who might otherwise have been sympathetic to their cause have been alienated by borderline racist. I mean, it was a funny, funny thing to say racist, because, of course, those people are ethnically Chinese. But that's the type of language that's coming out of, of, of the Hong Kong protest camp, despite the obvious justification from democratic fronts. And so that has put a lot of people in mainland China off. Not that there were many in favor of, the, of their cause anyway. Similarly, in mainland China, people are not really engaging or listening to Hong Kong protesters' legitimate concerns because it's being filtered by propaganda, mm. by Chinese news media, including social media, which is manipulated. So, okay, so, you know, they've got their own fake news going on. Well, absolutely. I think um, Chinese journalists will readily admit that the news that they're putting out and the, uh, is, uh, they don't use the term fake news, but it is certainly massaged and filtered. And, um, and for, so journalists might well know what's really going on, but that's not what they're putting out to ordinary people. Ordinary people in China do feel that they have access to news from all over the world because they'll see forwarded reports from the BBC or CNN that have been translated into Chinese. But those are, of course, selected carefully to present a particular picture. So it, it might be deliberately intended to present a picture of Western bias, for example. And Chinese media loves to talk about the West as if it's just one point of view. So here's what Western people are saying. See how they're being misled, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, so, yeah, they, they, don't, they don't see the full picture, but they believe they do. And that's infiltrated through social media as well? Absolutely. And you'd think that social media would be a place where there's absolute free expression, but there isn't because the main social media providers in China, uh, you know, those controlled by Tencent or Alibaba, so most famously WeChat and Weibo, but really WeChat, those um, uh, those are actually filters, and you can't post things on there that that uh, go against the government line. If you do, they'll quickly be taken down. You might not be punished, but they'll be taken down. Do you see an end in sight for? Uh, the the protests in Hong Kong. I don't. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm. Um, I I was quite confident at the beginning. It's, oh yeah, they'll just peter out. But they didn't. They became um, more violent. Um, and then I started thinking, oh well, there's going to be a crackdown. And then that didn't happen. So I don't know what's going to happen. Which is about the most honest answer we're going to get on it, I imagine. Nicholas, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> You're welcome. That is Nicholas Groffman, who has worked as a lawyer in um, Shanghai, Beijing, and is also uh, writes regularly for the South China. It's just fascinating what's happening over there. I find it bizarre that there seems to be this impasse where what are the Chinese authorities waiting for? I mean, they really haven't been known for their tolerance. And I, I'm pleased. I mean, I'm pleased it hasn't turned into an out-and-out urban warfare, but I would love to know what the end game is. Uh, Pierre writes, it's about time China got stuck into the protesters in Hong Kong. They do see themselves as completely different to mainland China, completely different culture, completely different um, set of values. But there are sympathisers within Hong Kong as well. It's just been going on for such a long time without any obvious end in sight.